Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Nintendo!
Boys Chat for the week of April 21st, 2016. I am Jose Otero, and you're listening to IGN's Nintendo Show. Joining me once again is Brian Altano bruh, bruh. and Per Schneider. <laughs> and if you want to keep up with IGN and Nintendo Voice Chat, you can do so by downloading the IGN app, which is available on iOS and Android and even your home consoles. You can mm-hmm. watch on PS4, on Xbox One. Sadly, we didn't work out a deal on Wii U, but who knows? Next if, time. Uh, when we talk to Nintendo about NX, that's handled by people who are not me. Right? Mm-hmm. Your local Nintendo representative. But if you're listening to the show on your phone right now... Mm-hmm. Download the app right now. Yeah. It's that oh, easy. That's a good point. Yep. And you also got a sneak peek at Paris Mitomo voice. You're still doing that. That's voice. horrible. So Unfazed, though. Yeah. Like, I can't derail you anymore. You can't. Yeah. I'm getting much better right. at this. All right. But well, what, you, what you can derail, if you want to try, is uh, there were a pair of Star Fox reviews that went up mm-hmm. this week oh. on IGN. So we should talk a little bit about them um, and just kind of close out what we have to say about Star Fox Zero and Star Fox Guard. We're also going to talk about that Mitomo has a Splatoon crossover and called it, nailed it. Um, we talked about that a little bit. I wish the Star Fox thing would happen, though. I kind of want a Star Fox shirt in that happen. Um, Platinum yeah. Games president may have stepped down. Uh, that's another thing we want to talk about. Pocket Jockey has a demo. And uh, happy birthday wishes to Tatsumi Kimishima, who turned 66 on April 21st. Good uh, age. Yeah, he's getting up there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's start with Star Fox. What do we have to say? What haven't we said? Uh, We've said plenty. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember. So, um, I uh, yeah, I, I played. Um, you know, I finished beat, beat the game, did the final bo- battle. Not say whatever get, you want. This I, is, this no, game, but I don't want to. You know, people haven't played it yet. Okay. I don't want to spoil anything because, as you can imagine, the final boss in a Star Fox game is going to be a complete shocker to everyone. Um, it's kind of like that guy who shows up at the end of Zelda. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, um, oh, oh. But um, I uh, yeah, I beat the game and then uh, I I was still motivated to go back and play it. And I saw you logged quite the hours on on the game trying to get the medals and mm-hmm. you know so there's there's plenty more to do and i saw when the reviews went up there was um i saw you know some comments saying like uh unacceptable for our campaign is like that's the kind of game uh, like on rail shooters are like that right it is more about than going back and challenging yourself to find all the hidden stuff and in star fox on the map find the hidden paths too sure. right like there's certain things you do in the very first level once you've beaten the game where you can go down a different path and so you know some stages will you'll get a new angle on or the missions will be completely different so i think there's there's a good amount of content in it and then considering that you get guard with the game yep. when you buy the package right now that's pretty good I I always have a a tough time sort of with that debate of attributing um, value or worth to length or duration. Video games are one of the only mediums where we do that. No one ever says That's because you've grown up and you can buy a lot of games, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. of course. That's a big part of it. But it's also – I – like mo- short, shorter movies aren't aren't less money than regular movies. Shorter yeah, books or longer sure. books aren't. I mean, so I think it's really like uh, it's also th- where we are nowadays. Like, if you wanted to, you could go to your grocery store and go to you know Redbox and rent Star Fox sure, and, sure. and for spend five bucks and f- get everything you need out of it. But like, I think that this is the kind of game that everybody who owns a Wii U should experience. And um, to say something's not worth that kind of money is a little weird to me because I actually kind of miss. This the day and age of of games having this sort of campaign that you could finish in a sitting or in one or two sittings uh-huh. like that is so far gone nowadays. Uh, there was Star Fox is based on the the kind of 
its predecessors are arcade shooters. We used to go into arcades. You would put a row of quarters down. You and your friends would line up. And in the amount of, of time that a birthday party would last, yeah. which was never long enough, uh, <laughs> you could finish a game like that. And I really miss that. You know, I really miss it. And I think that going back and being an expert at it is really cool too. So whether you go in and you play through it once, I mean, maybe rent it if that's all you want to do. But if it's the kind of thing that you think you can do with a few laps through, which I think you will want to, yeah. um, then get in there and do that. You I know? wonder if we're dinosaurs in that we are part of the generation <laughs> that saw arcade games and did not mind experiences that were shorter and could be done. I feel like on console, that there's always been, though, the weird debate of, is it can I justify this purchase? Because yeah. we also lived through, like, you know, PlayStation 2 era, I felt like we saw more of it. PlayStation 1 era, I feel like we saw more of it. And by today's standards, so much has changed about mm-hmm. the way games are presented and the way games are sold, specifically the amount at which they're sold it as totally. well. Totally. Yeah, and the, during the heyday of the 360, certainly leading into this um, generation, the sticker on the box that said competitive multiplayer or online mode Ooh. made a huge difference, huge. right? Like, so that's the reason why everyone added multiplayer modes. I mean, like, remember Metroid Prime added multiplayer, right? Yeah, like, forced a it even. Very, very forced strong, even. Yeah. a strong single player game added multiplayer multiple to the, times. Uh, and, and, and so you, you saw that with, you know, everything from Assassin's Creed to Uncharted, like games that are traditionally, were traditionally single player adventures. And some of those games kept these, uh, uh kept these multiplayer modes. Others have shed them, obviously, yeah. right? Like, Fallout is a big success and Skyrim was a big success without having this like big GTA online mm. type experience. Yeah, no. But but that is definitely it is still a factor for a portion of the audience and like if all when all is said and done a game that has a multiplayer mode has a bigger chance at success and long-term play than one that doesn't. No, and that, yeah. that's true like 100%. You can put all the hidden medals you want in and that yeah. that's just how it's going to be. But I do feel like this game to me, Zero specifically, feels like a game that I could have spotted as an, at an arcade as a teenager and been like, yes. oh, what is this controller thing? How does this work? Yeah. And have run with it. And I feel like I think you're right, right down the to the debate, weird controller, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it feels like um, a lot of people, I, I see a lot of uh, folks debating over whether making this game geared towards what Wii U is was the right move or not. And to that, I, you know, I, I did some thinking about it, and I do feel like Star Fox Zero was born at a time, or at least presented, you know, and announced at a time when Nintendo thought they could turn around We Use Woes. Mm. That was E3 2014, where yeah. Captain Toad, Kirby and the Rainbow Curse, a lot of games, even Mario Party 27, were focusing on how to make people play with two screens. Before that, you had your Mario Kart 8, and you had experiences that you constantly asked yourself, what is the gamepad bringing to this? And so when Zero was announced, it was a time when I feel like Nintendo was trying to turn that ship around. A year later, they had to announce NX, which was kind of a silent statement that they couldn't turn that ship around. Yeah. But this mm. game still came out regardless. I, I wish they had. I wish they had stopped and said, you know what, the co-op multiplayer mode with the two screens is awesome. Yeah. Right. Like having the motion control aiming on the gamepad, one player, the ship control with the sticks on the other works really well. It I does. love that co-op yeah. mode. It's very much uh, very fun. I did a yeah. let's play with my kids. Did you, were you able to watch it? Yet? I haven't watched it it's, yet, but I could. Are oh, you yeah, terrorizing your kids the way you terrorize mm-hmm. the rest of us? Uh, in yeah. This I'm very. I'm. I'm 
very sarcastic and snarky, but the kids are, are great. Like you can the see their different personalities. Kai constantly complains that Akira doesn't collect the golden rings. Like, yeah. get the golden ring, get the golden ring. It was funny. It was like a flashback to me and Casamasina playing. Yeah. I'm like, Casamasina, how can you not see that coin? Get right? that thing. Um, so I, I felt great kinship with my youngest in that. But like, um, but you can see how wonderful that experience and how it works together. And I feel like that would have been a good selling point for the gamepad where you didn't need it in single player. Again, like I maintain it should have been if you want to look behind you, you have a rear view mirror, you flip the view and look See, behind but I, you. But I'll play counterpoint I, and, and maintain that I think using the two screens the way they did it, they pulled it off. Like I It's not the so. best looking game and it is one that's hard. To, and I know you don't you, think so. You that's say why that, I'm, that's I'm because you got back. used to the limitations. So like, if I say right now, okay, mm-hmm. big bo- boss battle against big space station, you're like, oh yeah, that viewpoint was terrible. That no, was not fun to I play, I actually right? did fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I can okay, show it to on. you. I, but but I, I think that that still comes down to just our different I, opinions on it. But like, for example, but I'm not saying I'm not saying motion phone... control aiming is no, the is the problem. I know now. that. I absolutely just want to make sure you're doing that. Yeah, no. Um, but I will hang say back, that. Uh, watch this go down. Yeah, no, you should. <laughs> um, but even like the the critique in some places, and I think you've said this before too. Where like, well, you know, clearly the game doesn't look so good because they have to render it in two screens. That didn't stop Mario Kart Eight. That didn't stop plenty of games that they have put out that are displaying the same. Same exact view in both places. I think that for this game, it just came down to <laughs> it, they went with this art direction, and it is not the hottest looking thing in the world. It certainly doesn't it. help. It certainly yeah. doesn't help when you render things twice. Look at any it VR game. Look at you know like announcements of upgraded well, so, PlayStation So did Mario Kart look any less beautiful to you? Because that was sixty well, so frames per second game. Well, so what exactly? So what happened and, there? And, because and, like done. Mario Kart Eight rarely dipped in frame rate, if if ever. But yeah. this game does does quite a lot. I mean, the narrative to that, though, could just be how long it took to make this game. Sure. It could be artistic direction and choice. It could be the team's experience and with guys, it. Like, developers are not created equal. There's some developers that make gorgeous games on the same hardware that some developers fail on, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It really depends on, on team size. And Mario Kart and Nintendo Tokyo and yeah. the Kyoto teams are tremendously talented. Yeah. and Not everybody can pull that off. But also what, what is displayed in Mario Kart is probably not as complex as this uh, as, as what's going on in Star I would Fox. argue there's plenty. Any going on in that? No, in that you're right. Game. No, you're yeah. right. But um, I, I would, I would no, say I, it wouldn't have hurt the game to not have the second screen. I can tell you that for sure. sure. No, to me, for me, it's just like it was just asking me to do a lot of things, and ultimately, it, I didn't play the game better because I had that second well, screen. Well, it's because the those aiming, things don't feel natural. I love, I love flying in one direction and aiming with a gamepad. I think it takes. It's a learning curve. It takes time. I initially was opposed to it. Um, and and I got used to it, and I like yeah. that. And I, I think especially in some of the slower-paced levels, it works really well. Well, and I well. agree with you there, and I feel like there is a learning curve, but I did get it. And if I didn't get good at it, I wouldn't be sitting here saying, I think that they pull it off. Sure. Like, I feel if I was still struggling right now and not like able to wrap my brain around what it wanted for me, then I'd say, I agree with you, Pear. Well, so um, so, uh, so that's my whole thing, and I'm, I'm glad you were able to finally connect with it. I think I did to an extent. I think um, it creates... Uh, some sort of it, it creates a lot of pacing issues mm-hmm. in terms of things coming to a crawl uh, almost arbitrarily and a lot of times completely out of your hands. And I feel like the original Star Fox sixty four or had 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 moments like that, but to a way uh, lesser extent. Mm-hmm. And with this game, it's sort of like you're flying along, you're having this amazing battle, and all of a sudden you're forced into this sort of different perspective, yeah. and you're forced into a different control scheme. Sure. And I understand the uh, like the. That it's not immediately intuitive and that there is a rewarding aspect of of Uh getting it down. And once you do, it's really cool. But this is ostensibly Star Fox 64 Special Edition. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this was like when they were really Star Wars in theaters and they added some scenes. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Made it prettier. They cleaned yeah. up everything. Yeah. Um, that's where I find 
the the sort of arbitrary hurdle of that control obtuseness being a strange sure, decision. Sure, I can, because I can if somebody that. like you know like we're all we're all in the know we're on a nintendo podcast we we're gonna play this no matter speak what speak for yourself yeah <laughs> except for the tone of that speak for yourself except for fair he's too big for us now um that wig but the wig <laughs> that's a wig it's very convincing um it's powdered where do you I get more could, hair if I that was a wig? Um, no, but I, I feel like, so say, for example, somebody who's sort of a lapsed gamer or a guy who really like or a girl who really liked Star Fox 64 back in the day, and this is pulling on a lot of nostalgia of this game, right? Mm-hmm. Even right down to the good luck when yeah. you start yeah. a match. Sure. There is there is like, hey, remember Star Fox 64? It's back. There's even the, <laughs> the classic R-Wing. All that stuff is there, yeah. but the barrier for entry is higher now. And that's where I'm, I get lost, where I'm like, Nintendo usually makes stuff that scales from kids to adults and everyone in between and this i mean i think a kid can get this but i think also like a casual gamer coming in and trying to play this being like oh i love star fox and all of a sudden having to deal with multiple control schemes that were never part of the original vision but now are sometimes working towards i I still find it a sort of baffling design decision yeah but but it is a case-by-case basis too like i mean alex ross on our our editorial team uh was like hey i'm really excited for this game and i hooked him up he took it home a weekend he came back he's like i love this yeah Yeah. i was like man you are unique in this office because there is a lot of folks who are like no i would not even even looking at the reviews right it's it's a range between uh did not finish some fives did not finish some oh come on arthur (laughs) some fives some (laughs) We're friends. I can say that. Some fives, some sixes, some sevens, some eights, some nines. Yeah, yeah. And I think you get you get that spectrum yeah. a lot with games nowadays because uh, video games are reviewed outside of just like the five, ten magazines. There's YouTubers. Mm-hmm. There's personalities, influencers, sure. that kind of stuff. So you get a, a much wider spectrum. Plus you have community people coming in, fan sites that can get their, their stuff elevated. Yeah. But I think it's kind of fascinating to see how, how, how this one scaled. Yeah. If there's not like a consensus on this. There really isn't. Like, no, it was mo- Usually you tell yeah. people read reviews to figure out if you want something or then try it yourself or whatever. I think like, if you're on the fence on this one and you read 100 reviews, you'd still be like, I don't know. <laughs> but you know what? It's a divisive genre too. Like if you made most people play Panzer Dragoon now, which oh, we yeah. all loved, like, yeah. they will, there will be people who don't get it, who don't think it's yeah, that great. And even- like – Crimson Skies. I love playing Crimson Skies all the so time. Good. Yeah. Uh, where is that franchise? Or Lair. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, not Lair. Why, why um, not Lair? I didn't like Lair. Lair did something um, that Star Fox Zero, With I dragons. hope, does, which is eventually patched in traditional controls. It took a few oh, years. Folks are, it folks has still to control. talk about that's that. Right. Yeah. Well, folks, there, I don't think that's going to happen, though. No. I think no, folks I need to so let that ship And, and, and again, I don't think the motion control is the problem. It's no. the use of the two uh, screens and what it demands of you. And like, if you played uh, Eve Valkyrie mm-hmm. right, on VR systems, they decouple flying and looking and aiming. Sure. Right? Mm. Like, you can look around in space with a headset. You play with VR goggles and you can lock on with your eyes like you would in a real fighter jet yeah. plane, right? Like you can look at something, acquire a lock, and then fire your rockets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's so natural. And it free, frees you from the constraints of having to use a radar screen, which is, by the way, how most other games deal with the fact that the enemy is behind you. You've got a little red dot, and you, you can tell this, it's behind d- you. You just want to see behind you. Like the, you're well, never going to let this go. But that's what they're using the dot. Dude, he really wants to see no, behind you. No, but that's what, that's what's required in this game. You're supposed to know where the enemy is at all times, and they force you to look away from the main port, the but 
lane but screen. But it's also a game where it. you're constantly moving forward, and it's not about what shooting something that's behind you unless you're in all range. I'm not just, I don't want to keep I, this fight going I, forever. But I don't mean just I, behind I you. I, well, you're wrong. Yeah, but I mean, like, you're wrong. Like, I think that you, they. I think it works fine, and it works well enough for me. And that's why I got it good on our scale. The artistic well, choices explain, are where I so, question more of. Okay, that so explain to me what does the gamepad let me do that I could not do with a, a smarter heads-up display. Move in or one direction camera. and aim in the other. Okay, but can't I just do that by tilting the gamepad? I don't have to look at the screen of the gamepad. You pad. don't have Why to can't... look at the screen, but the way they designed this reticle, which could be the main argument that we're both trying to have right now, does show up in a way that shots that look like they should hit on the TV don't because it's honestly not perfectly aimed that way, the way the reticle is actually shown. Okay, Splatoon, though. What How about does Splatoon it? Do? Splatoon does it perfectly well. Motion, motion control, aiming. But it's not the same aiming. game as Splatoon, and it's not a, yeah. it's not a, even a multiplayer game at that, which is honestly what Splatoon started out as. But wait, so hold on. Let's just have this stalemate. The gamepad gets you nothing. Like there's nothing. It gets you an alternate view, and like, and like, in some cases, it saves you from having a horrible yeah, view. Yeah, but you know what? But the gamepad will also solution. always be the albatross by which every Wii U game will be judged, and whether it used it right or whether it used it no, wrong. No, no, no. And it so, is an argument that runs itself into circles. No, for sure. And by the way, like, I think we got to move on soon. By the way. Well, so no, so I, I think it did, but yeah. I don't think it does anymore. Because I think a couple years ago we were like, we'll, it doesn't do much. We'll like we'll let it go. And yeah. off screen off screen play became the big thing that that's right. Like ultimately the 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 best thing that came from the Wii U gamepad is off screen play. That's the best, or off TV play. Yeah. The best the best thing that came from that. Everything else is and and stuff like Mario Maker, obviously. Yeah. And I think like motion controls and Splatoon work really well. But ultimately, their design decision here earned them the spectrum of scores from the 5 to the 9 range. Yeah. And I think had they just gone with something more traditional, they probably would have landed around 7s and 8s, maybe 9s everywhere. Mm-hmm. Sure. But ultimately, they took that risk. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it hasn't paid off with reviews. And I think those reviews and that sort of like hurdle is going to lead it to not paying off in sales, which makes me worry about the franchise in general. So I think yeah. ultimately making this decision, and this is what I still don't understand. I don't think Star, Star Fox. Fox was ever flying off the shelves to begin with. Though. No, it I wasn't. I would say that like right it's off the bat. a good pun though. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, do find it, I do find it weird that they took this franchise and they're consistently shoehorning weird stuff into it. Like uh-huh. that doesn't need to happen. Like you look at um, uh, the what's the start the the DS one. Yeah. It has like touchscreen navigational yeah, yeah. stuff. Yes. Why? Yes. Well, they just. I mean, they're trying to use the the hardware to the fullest. And to be fair, if if all Star Fox had was a map, everybody would be saying, well, again, it's proof that the Wii U was ill conceived because you don't really need the gamepad, right. right? But. I, to that, I say no. The co-op move, mode proves like the what a great setup you have in this game for for co-op play. Mm-hmm. And I will also say, in the gyro wing uh, level, you control the robot with a first-person screen on the gamepad, and that right. feels really good. Yeah. Like it feels natural to have this little drone but on the bottom well, and screen. And the best part about it is that it is one of the few instances of that game where you are not being moved forward on the other screen. Yeah, and yeah, I think that's, that's why sure. it feels more yeah. natural there. And I I feel bad because I did pan the gyro wing stages mostly because I, I didn't think they were well designed yeah. but i think the notion of what the gyro wing does as as a vehicle and the way you can sort of sure. micromanage how you control it i think is a good idea and i do think and i agree with you on this co-op is the best way to play it um and it does kind of bug me a little bit and we, we need to end this soon uh because we've been going on for 18 minutes about yep. it and we have other things to talk about um i i just want to say that at the, at the end of all this it does pain me that co-op ended up being the cooler way to play and visually, the game does nothing to acknowledge that there's a second person in the cockpit. It's just a pair of lasers that are shooting in every mm-hmm. other direction but the one yeah. that you're shooting in. Yeah. And so I do wish some effort, extra effort was made there. Mm-hmm. I will say that 100%. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in the end, I, I think we all agreed 
we we all agree that it's a, a fun game. I mm-hmm. I enjoyed playing it. Uh, oh, yeah. My kids like playing it. I think the co op mode gives it some legs. And then you know some of the medals are really well hidden. There's some. There's <laughs> definitely yes. a challenge to mastering this game, mastering the times, even beating the the little training station uh, stages are challenge yeah, modes tough. in their own yeah. right. So there's plenty of gameplay in that mode. So if you're worried about a short campaign, you will go back and you will find new things in it. And then yeah. having guard with it, it's just a, a, a really cool bonus. Cool. All right. So then we're going to move forward to talk a little bit about this Mitomo crossover that's happening. So apparently, uh, Nintendo announced that they were setting up a retweet campaign. Over Twitter, and if you hit the two targets, you were basically going to unlock additional items that will be coming to Splatoon. So these items are still coming to Splatoon, was regardless. This in Japan, regardless later this month. No, this is here too. Okay, because cool. yeah, so I, I got a little pop up on my to- on Mitomo today because okay. I still check it every day. Yeah. Now that they fixed my friends list, yay! Yeah. I'm slowly adding you all. If that's something we tried to do, but uh, <laughs> and it showed the little Splatoon hats. Yeah. Um, but I've noticed with, with Mitomo update stuff, it'll pop up and show you something and then disappear and you can't actually find it. Yeah, and it's not good at pointing you towards some of that stuff, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I agree. Um, but so you have the, some concrete information. Have been, have been done. Well, no, I, I kind of wanted to ask you guys instead, like, what sort of crossover stuff would you want to see? I mean, here we have it, right? The first one is happening. Uh, it's happening right now. I mean, it's going to happen. Uh, they've had enough of – I thought the retweet campaign was a weird way to do it because – it's smart because it's a social campaign and it's a social platform. Trying to build build up mentions, yeah, and, and build up mentions. But yeah. at the same time, it's uh, know, you know it's what's just, funny. I had completely kind of forgotten about Mitomo Me for the last weekend. Yeah. Me too, Mo. Me too. Uh, over the last weekend, until you guys mentioned it, I was just checking. It's like blam, 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 blam. Slot machine. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. stuff. Everything we pops up. For you. Um, no, like the crossover stuff. Like I think Splatoon is a really good choice first mm-hmm. of all because like if if the app is trending more with younger f- um, female um, fans, that's a perfect. The, you know the design choices and the characters are so so um, so fun. I think that'll do well. But man, Legend of Zelda stuff. Like, you saw everybody wanted the ninja sword. Yeah. Everybody's going to want the master sword. Oh, God. Right? Whew. And yes. Yes. Did you mention it was the Dark Souls of, uh, of Pachinko Machines? That, that was Eric That Eric was Sapp Eric Sapp. Who mentioned that. Yeah. 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 It, it, yeah I, I'm, I'm, it's I'm, hard. I'm just like hoarding tickets now and yeah, coins. Me too. And just I, waiting. Like, <laughs> I think I told you guys, like, I got, my, I got my perfect outfit on day one and I haven't really had anything well, to buy. No, you had your outfit. I got my yeah, outfit. Yeah, exactly yeah. what you're wearing right yeah, now. Yeah, pretty much. And um, I've just been saving stuff ever since, ever since then. And I still check Mitomo every day because I think there's like some, there's some cool stuff well, in it. Well, you get a bonus for changing your clothes. Yeah. Yeah, so I so, do that. Oh, you do, and then I change back into. Oh, I see. You go back to the Brian <laughs> outfit. Well, I'm saying I'm like I'm saving my my Nintendo coins and all the yeah, other yeah. stuff. I, I love all of that. I love really love the way all that comes together, and I'm really excited to see them launch more stuff that connects with that. It, where I'm, I have multiple plates spinning in the air in terms of like getting coins every day. I think you were out when we talked about it. Did you get uh, Did you get Picross the Zelda Picross? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it was yeah. cool. I put like five hours into that. Yeah, it's fun, right? You know, like I, I did all the puzzles. Yeah. I got to the the. The last, the last set of puzzles, which yep. is basically like trial and error, and then they, and I didn't like it as much. Yeah, they have the mini version, and that's the, the one. big version, yeah. and like you have to figure out a big number for two rows. Yeah, and, and they stuff. do that it's classic sort of Super clever. Mario World thing yeah. where when you finish all the puzzles in full color, you get a little gold medal next to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's cute. Like, yeah. that's a nice little giveaway. I think I earned enough coins for that in just like three days, just by connecting a bunch of junk it's to just it. Just connecting all your social feeds. Yeah, yeah. doing all that, uh, doing the menial little tasks they ask of me. Uh, once a week, you can get like sixty coins just by connecting to 
the the Miiverse or the eShop, um, you get something like 45, 50 coins a day just by connecting to yeah. um, Mitomo. So yeah, if, if if anybody is listening or watching this and and you don't have the Zelda Picross game yet, it's I mean you literally just have to do the basic basic stuff in Mitomo. Like you know, it's they're trying to entice you to try it out. Yeah. I mean, like you connect all your social feeds, add friends, change your clothes a couple uh, once, answer a bunch of questions in the app, and boom, you got a free game for you 3ds. A, you get a free game to download. I I think that's an awesome value, and yeah. it's not they did not fart this out. This is a fun Picross game. They're also giving away um, uh, like 3ds themes, which are cool. They're usually mm-hmm. like a dollar ninety nine each, yep. and they just give them you for free. And they they they're numbered too, which is sort of like. Uh, it's the collector part of me wants the yeah, ball yeah, now. Yeah. And I like that. And they just threw in something like a Famicom hoodie and like the Mario costume and stuff like that. Little stuff like that is is definitely enticing. Mm. And like right now I'm saving up. I think I have 500 coins and 1,000 gets you WarioWare Touched, which is like a classic DS game. Oh, and it runs on Updated, your 3DS. Yeah. yeah. And it's like that's cool. That's a cool thing. I'm going to hit 1,000 coins. I'll exchange. I'll get a code for that. And then I'll build back up again and keep yep. doing that. You mm-hmm. know, um, cool. They haven't really done any physical re- rewards yet. My fear with the My Nintendo stuff is that – Remember Club Nintendo, they'd be like, hey, uh, if you've been saving up coins, we have this Luigi statue, and then a day later, it'd be gone forever. Yeah, yeah. And you needed to have 20,000 coins that day or whatever, and so if you didn't. I think, um, with respect to that, I don't think they'll do physical. I don't I think, think so physical either. for them will be that they're going to sell it to you. Yeah. They're just going to sell it through Nintendo stores, or there will be an online Nintendo store. I don't think it makes a ton of business sense to try and tie some of that stuff to these exclusive coins, especially because these coins specifically, too, have an expiration date. Yeah. Like, um, Six you can sit on your Club Nintendo coins for a year and be like, I'm saving up for my whatever bomb statue. Yeah. And I think part of the shift to digital and, and even the idea of giving you discounts is just that it. I think it makes more sense to reward your fan that way than some statue. Sure. Like, honestly. Like, limited edition and exclusive things are cool. Don't get me wrong. And you'll run into that with these store items. But I don't think it makes a ton of sense for so, like this this grab bag giveaway i'd rather you, you we just didn't have enough at the register yeah for I, you. I totally agree with that and plus uh, you don't have to do with their shipping and like their weird like their their boxes used to show up all beat up and stuff like that the whole thing was just yeah, kind of let's not forget was, how the majora's yeah. mask uh puzzle showed up in like a, a what a is bag. It, a bloated bag yeah it was just a pa- like, it was like a paper no sack what is this yeah, yeah it was, it was just, such a bummer and that was like towards the very end you guys have brats it was free but so i will say the one thing that's really weird is that uh picross the Twilight Princess Picross, which mm-hmm. is based on a GameCube game that went to the Wii that got ported in HD to Wii U, is only available on 3DS, and it's only available through My Nintendo. You can't purchase that. It's a My Nintendo yeah. exclusive. WarioWare Touched, uh, same deal. Like, you can't just outright buy that game. Because I was looking at it, and I'm like, oh, I could save coins for, like, the next you know month, or I could just spend this six bucks or whatever. Nope. They won't yeah, let me spend the yeah. six bucks. So it entices you to get in there. So now if they start having my Nintendo exclusive virtual console games, I can see that getting a little divisive. Um, you can buy it on the Wii U on the no. virtual console. But who wants to play a DS game on your Wii U? Not me. Yeah, no. Uh, so I don't know. I think it's fascinating. I think that, like eventually if they start throwing in – like this is the perfect spot for stuff like – remember like Tingle's Balloon Fight and like <laughs> weird games like that that are like, yeah. well, you made them already. It doesn't make a ton of sense to like print them. Uh, but yeah, throw me like throw it on the eShop. Yeah. You know? No, good good point. Yeah, yeah. All 
right, so let's move over to some questions from the question block. First one uh, involves a news story that just happened today, actually. So Platinum President uh, Tatsumi Minami stepped down. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Platinum Games was founded in roughly 2007, Mm -hmm. most of these people being ex-Capcom folks. Uh, It was actually the union of two studios, but most of the guys knew each other from Capcom, specifically Clover Studio, which if you remember, that's Okami, Beautiful Joe, God Hand. all that stuff. Awesome games. So our question comes from Isaac. Uh, I think the question is a good jumping off point, but I'm not a fan of the question, Isaac. I just want to be up front. So, uh, no, I just because well, You the, pissed off teacher. We'll see. Platinum <laughs> Games head, Tatsumi Minami, stepped down. Uh, do you Can't think that. <laughs> whatever caused his exiting the studio and stepping down had to do could be the source of Star Fox Zero's less than exceptional state? Um, all the reviews for that game have been good or lukewarm at best, and I wonder if not having strong leadership could be the reason for the game not coming together so well. Do you have any input on this? Would love to know. No. I don't think those yeah. things are related no. at all. Like, Otherwise, it would have yeah. happened for Wonderful 101. Or Korra. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Um, yeah. I, and it's, oh, yeah. it sucks, too, because Platinum Games, like in general, even though our, the, some of them have been artistic and take risks and try things, they don't sell, which has been a struggle. And I don't know if you pin that on Minami or not, but Star Fox Zero having anything to do with that? Like, that's they, a stretch. There are some developers who just pick these kind of passion projects that fly in the face of what's popular out yeah. there, right? And then once in a while, they'll get this game, and it becomes a big success, and boom, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, um, they, we've they, seen this before. They're, they're always working on multiple projects. I mean, they're doing that Ninja Turtles game right now, well, which, which I previewed I, a couple months ago. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up, because that's what I want to kind of point to, is that, um, so I remember reading a, a good profile story on Minami, and one of his one of his jobs as president and CEO is just finding the, the studio work. And if you look more recently, like Platinum has been busier than ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you went from, you know, a studio that helped with making Metal Gear Rising to a studio that was doing Transformers Devastation, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Star Fox Zero, I think Star Fox Guard. Did they do Scalebound? Mad- Scalebound. Did they do Mad World? Those last five yeah. games may have all been in development at the same time. Right, right, right. Which, which is my point. Like, there's just a lot going on there, and I don't know if uh, that had more to do with it's it. It's tough to tell. I mean, the, the it's timing, hard to say at this time. The timing suggests that he did want to stay on until the completion and the shipping of Star Fox, mm-hmm. right? Because um, in this world of public companies, whenever a leader of a company leaves, it has a rippling effect. And so, you know, somebody, like if this had happened while Star Fox was in development, then some people would have started to talk. or like, oh, this is a sign of trouble development. So that's where I think company leaders make sure to stay on to the end of completion of a project. And sure. We don't know. He's going to pop up at some other company, right? Or he's just going to pop up and say what happened or why he I, decided to, to leave. I mean, According to the report, he left just, in March. Just think of all the stuff that's happened in Japan with Kojima and his new production studio, right? There are people who know each other, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him show up either founding a new studio with someone that, that he's known for a long time or showing up at an existing new studio. That yeah. Or potentially shown. getting out of games in general. Which oh, yeah. We don't know if that's, that's also too. part of his ambition as well. Yeah, yeah um, it's hard to pinpoint it on one disappointment because like they have such a wide spectrum in their portfolio, mm-hmm. and th- some things do well, some things mm-hmm. don't. I mean, Korra didn't perform well. Uh, review wise, right? Yeah. No, but I, I, I it but was, that was licensed. Their first I, collaboration with Activision. I yeah, was gonna say. but I, I wonder if it's, I wonder if it's sold well. I mean, there's oh, like there's that whole differentiation too. Like, I have a feeling Ninja Turtles is going to sell pretty well. Yeah. I mean, if they get if they hover that close enough to when the movie comes out, um, Bayonetta, I don't think like really moved the needle, but ultimately, mm-hmm. like Nintendo funded that one. So there's yeah. always like different angles to sure. all of this. And to be to be a fair, be fair to them, uh, their games are critically lauded regardless of sales. Like they make fantastic action games. For the most part, yeah. Yeah, and they're working on Scalebound, which got delayed. 
mm-hmm. um, yeah. by the way, uh, earlier this year or the, even late last year. The I other forget. question is, I mean, you you should always be suspicious when somebody high up leaves a company. The other question could be, is the company on the block to be sold, right? Sure. Yeah. Yep. There might be a buyer out there. I mean, if you think about how closely Nintendo has worked with them um, in the past, mm-hmm. who knows, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Uh, next question comes from... Let's oh, oh we got an animal. Uh, we got an animal crossing memory. This is not a I question. We got an animal that wrote in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, we got an animal. So uh, this comes in from <laughs> Doug. Uh, loves the show. Saw that we put out a call for animal crossing memories two episodes ago. And yep. He says uh, his favorite um, memories came from New Leaf. Using the bathroom in the Rossetti janitor room uh, was number oh, one. Captain's crazy lyrics were number two. Oh, which yeah. It was really funny to see Captain sing you a song on your way. And then three, listening to enough KK Slider tunes uh, to get his picture. Dude, uh, after our conversation on the show, I had like the biggest craving to go oh, j- really? jump back into Animal Crossing. Oh, yeah? Like, yeah, I, I wanted the. I actually, I really wish they. Like, I know it's so weird, but I wish they put the GameCube version on, on like the Wii U Virtual Console. Hmm. Like, just throw that one on there. I like, there's something about that. One that's like just very simple and wonderful to me. Uh, it's mm. it's very slow, but like some of the other ones have like some weird kind of like control issues here and there, or like you have you can only play them on a handheld. Or uh, I lost my entire 3ds uh, 3ds. Uh, Animal Crossing Town. Aww. When I moved, I moved over from the new 3DS. Everything carried over. That Those sucks. Little Pikmin brought everything except for that. So yeah. I just I went back in and and it was just like, would you like to start a new thing? And I was like, no. Uh, see, I want Animal Crossing to return as the dashboard software for Nintendo's next console. Yeah. Like I feel like what PlayStation has tried with Home, right? Like create the space where you meet up with your friends. That's Animal Crossing. And if you booted up your NX. And you had your town square and your friends were online and walking around there. Mm-hmm. But you could also just go to your house and like buy new items for your, uh, for your pad. And like it, you could do such a cool little meta game that but could be updated But then you can't sell an Animal Crossing game. Why you? Of course. You're going to make money with people just wanting to own <laughs> Nintendo furniture. I don't furniture. think Animal Crossing is for everyone. I think you're overestimating how many people like it versus how many people don't actually If play. that was your dashboard experience, make it free to play. Awesome. I, I like the idea. I'm just so good. speaking for the other side here. So um, what about right. free, what about free to play? Oh, Animal Crossing? Yeah. yeah. Could be interesting. I, I mean, mean I, it, it comes uh, down to how do you get items well, and how do you treat that fairly? Because yeah. that is a very – that's a razor's edge there, like honestly, it is. Like, in terms yeah. of the user and in terms of backlash. What if you could aim with a gamepad? Like you're in uh, the – It would probably be better because you can look around the town a little better. You'd see behind you <laughs> yeah, this no, time. You you'd really love you. to see behind you. Yeah. Uh, but here's the thing that you should got a be behind on your you. Tail. Trenton Hunt, uh, or excuse me, uh, sorry, handle Gex9, not Trenton, uh, says Nintendo should stop pursuing third parties. Um, That's not even the same name. What's going on I don't know what's going on. With Nintendo, I think this desperate pursuit of third parties needs to end. A wonderful strategy would be to multiply the first and second party developers, which equates to more games and having more hands on deck devoted to maximizing the strengths and extent of Nintendo software. Third parties could tag along at their own accord. Trent and I, or excuse me, Gex, I hear where you're coming from, but... Uh, that was, that was uh, N64, no? I hear where he's coming from, but <laughs> that takes more... You're taking on more risk that way. Yeah, and yeah. you ultimately are spending a lot more money. You basically have to have one of the tightest schedules of all time to pull something like that off. Like, I think first parties try to be careful in the number of studios that they have clearly because you have to pay for those those yeah. don't just you don't just own them and that's it like there are salaries involved there are there there's milestones to be met um 
Although you could make the argument, Nintendo is tackling so much these days. How do they have the manpower to even keep up with it? Right. Yeah, and the, the third parties, you know, like creating, when you have a big project, creating another SKU for another platform is, it's low risk, right? The design work is done. You pay somebody to port it or you port it in-house, at, you know, at, at least like if that game is then not a success on, on a new platform, um, your studio isn't out of business. But if you put all your eggs in one basket as a second party or, you know, a first party just yeah. spins up lots of studios and then the thing doesn't sell, you're dead. Yeah, and PS, those third-party games don't go away just because you don't have them on your platform and you have second parties and first parties. Meaning, Dark Souls 3 will still be a, a game that's competing with a game on your system versus 100%. being a game on your system. Yeah. So you might as well... Ca- I mean, so that's the thing. And I mentioned this in the show before, but like Minecraft, Angry Birds, GTA, these are like big zeitgeist, big things that are par- part of the vernacular, part of the conversation mm-hmm. of gamers. And these are conversations that have happened entirely without Nintendo's assistance. Minecraft, they got too late. Angry Birds, they got too late with that weird... I mean, you can. I think there's like a disc they put out that has yeah. like the Angry Birds games on it, which is like totally missing For the point. Or 20 times the price. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Totally missing the point. Yeah. But um, third parties keep you engaged with your console when you're not playing first-party games. That's what it does. It keeps you connected to it. So to fill in the gaps of the release schedule that there are no first-party studio in the world can keep going for an entire year. Even if they quadrupled their staff, you would still get – I mean how many Star Fox games can you make, right? How many Metroid games can you make? How many uh, – I mean hopefully more than, than the, the few they make now. Yeah. But uh, ultimately like a Zelda games have a certain um, – they have a certain sort of apex of where they should be, right? And we're getting it with Zelda Wii U, hopefully. But when we got something like um, – what was the one recently on 3DS? Hyrule Warriors. Hyrule Warriors. I mean it's it's fun and it's cool, but it's, it is a pared-down, slimmed-down version. It's a very much a spinoff. Yeah. So, I mean you could get stuff like that hypothetically all year if you ramped up, but – do you want that or do you want to play Dark Souls? Well, it's also it's a question how much breadth ma- matters for a console, right? Yeah. Like the the GameCube definitely suffered in the eyes of the PlayStation 2 based on the breadth of the lineup. Like if you were a sports fan, you would go you would never go with a GameCube, right? Yeah. Even though mm-hmm. even in the beginning it, it had a pretty good lineup, but it was always the last year's version versus yeah. the latest version mm-hmm. on the PS2 and so mm-hmm. that does matter. But I mean, not to say that that is the only course of action. Like you can make a platform a success with completely different games, right? Like mobile games, iOS is a success not because it has the exact same games as the consoles. It's very much its own thing. And in, in because theory, it has thousands of games, yeah, though. That's and, why it's a, a and, success. And, you know, like, there are a lot of fans of the Vita. Vita. Vita is not a huge success either, but it did well in Japan with a more limited amount of software <laughs> and a very specific genre. Approach. Would have done better with Monster Hunter. That was the yeah, one was trophy Nintendo yeah. took away yep. that ended up working in their favor big time. But uh, Monster I don't Hunter think, kept PSP alive forever. Yeah. I don't think there's any console maker now or any that, that could support their console b- based off just first-party stuff. Nobody could. Even mm-hmm. Nintendo, the, the, the you know, miracle toy-making company, couldn't do it alone. No, like, you look tough. at something like Sony with the PS4, I mean, their first-party offerings this generation have been consistently delayed or disappointing in some capacity or, you know, better late than never. But uh, they've relied entirely on third parties, and they've been tremendously successful because of that, because I think most people ultimately are just like, I just want a console with a lot of games. And the only way to get a console with a lot of games is to get third parties on your side. Yeah, well, and, the, and they've also been successful because the message has been consistently been better tech yeah. runs better on our platform has exclusive content mm-hmm. for our platform and they do make great first party stuff I, what sure. I love about Sony as a company is they take a lot of risks on ideas um, that 
you know, the, I, I think are, are smart risks. Like, very yeah, very Nintendo-like games, by the way. Like in the yeah. last, you know, like just some oh, clever experiments. Sure. Yeah. Well, that Ratchet, yeah. obviously. But also the smaller um, size indie yeah, the games. Puzzle the puzzle games, you know. Yeah. Mobile yeah. games they're getting yep. into now. I think they're they're understanding that spectrum. And Nintendo's really good at that, too. But they need the help of third parties. And that Sony is allowed to hang back and say, on PlayStation, we're going to do we, we're gonna delay this game by six months. There was just that story yesterday about uh, Horizon might be getting delayed. Mm-hmm. Um, but most people won't really notice because, because there's going to be so many other games to play thanks to third parties. So that's where you need that. And I know it might not matter to the average person listening to the show because you're like, I'm only bought this thing for you know the very specific hardcore Mario Nintendo Galaxy games. 3. But the the audience at large outside of this this conversation are the ones that want to buy a console that they know that they can play a lot of stuff on. You don't want to be at the guy the guy in the store being like, Do you have Dark Souls for Wii U? And they're like, They laugh. Yeah. You don't want to be there. So I think the more stuff they can get onto the console, the better. Uh, it's just better for everybody yeah and i feel like on this show and i i definitely gotta apologize to our listeners like i meant to this week put more time into bravely second did not find that time i think we should all set a goal for ourselves to put some time into that game this week sure it's in my 3ds right now there are other third-party games that have clearly come out that we need to talk about a little better on the show and so we will try to do a better job there as well um our next question comes from mike and Mike says, as a 40-something, I uh, was present for the birth of video games and fed my share of quarters into cabinets. But my obsession with gaming didn't start until my family members members bought a Wii for my sons. I started playing the Wii with them. And six years later, I have five consoles, two handhelds, and Jeez. 20-hour-a-week gaming and a 20-hour-a-week gaming habit. It's a gateway drug. <laughs> Backlog is large. But I plan to add Zelda titles to it. Uh, now I don't really care. He says he doesn't really care for graphics, and he's played digital copies of decade-old games, so that's not a, a game changer to him. But the original Zelda has limited appeal to him at this point, given uh, it's from a midi era and etc. Anyway, his question is: Which Zelda titles remain can't miss? Oh, um, okay. So real quick, and which order should I play them? Real in? quick, let's let's dash that first statement out of the way. The original Legend of Zelda is an absolute gem. And I think it's, yeah. it's 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 still to this day one of the best open world games ever made. Um, the the sort of inherent obtuseness that came with playing it originally is gone now that you have guides and maps and wikis and all the other stuff. You don't have to meticulously bomb random bushes and hope <laughs> something magical happens. Uh, that's, that's how you get into a dungeon and you have no clue. I know, that's I know. There. But there's a like play the game, burn that bush. walk into the first cave, get the sword, and walk out in the world and see what happens. And if you, if you're not if you're not into it after you beat the first dungeon, if it's just not there for you, then leave and play something else. But seriously, like. Give it a shot. Stick with it. There, there's something truly wonderful about that game to see all the other games that came after it yeah. and watch them kind of uh, cone down to their original their original first appearances. Yep. Like, there's something so cool about that so game. So I want to I just jump to Mike's defense here, too, because there was one line I did not read uh, where he says the reason he kind of dismisses it is because he doesn't feel like it contributes much to the overarching, overarching uh, Zelda narrative. I don't think that's a great reason to dismiss it yeah, either, uh, Mike. I just want to say that that game has, has sort of stood the test of time in a lot of people's minds because of all the reasons that Brian has said. Um, and so I mean, what, what narrative? For, for, <laughs> I, I think he's talking about timeline here. Forget the timeline. Zelda, okay. Zelda games are... Uh, uh, their own gems and their but, own special yeah. ways, okay, regardless but of how also, they get packaged You also later. can't dismiss that 8-bit games look so different and play so differently that they're not for everyone today. Like, I find sure. Link to the Past on but the Super NES... that's not a problem. But mm-hmm. I'm saying Link to the Past on the Super NES is infinitely more accessible. It's more beautiful looking. It, it definitely holds your hands more, right? Like, games evolved from the 8-bit era to give you a little bit more of a thread and, and guide you a little bit more. And so, like... 
for I think for more modern gamer sen- uh, like mentality, like Link to the Past is a better starting point as no, a game that, than, than the fair. 8-bit or, Link or, uh, Le- Legend of Zelda. Or a Link yeah, Between yeah, Worlds, which yeah. we recommend to people all the time on the show, is a great first Zelda. Um, Link, Link's also, Awakening is fantastic. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's got some sort of weird control stuff because you can only hold two items at once. Yeah, well, so that game's also very 8-bit in its presentation. Yeah. Right? I mean, you can play the DX version on your 3DS right now. Uh, if you have one of those, it's it's like 5 bucks. You can download it. It's in full color. But, so so if, we, if we all pick three games to play in order... Maybe because otherwise we're going to rattle off every game. Like, yeah. No, even, we're not. I don't, my, I don't hear my us mind, saying Oracle I can, of Ages and Seasons. I don't but, see but us like saying Phantom Hourglass. You could go Hourglass. into Majora's Mask and, and those types of games. My, my picks would okay. be you start with Link to the Past, then you play Ocarina of Time, then you play Wind Waker. That's like my suggestion nice. for him. And like after you're done with that, that's going to take you a while, man. You, you've got still Majora's Mask and Twilight Princess and a whole bunch of other good games like Link's Awakening waiting for you on the so, different uh, platforms. If, you don't have to modify the list if you had to recommend two more to that list what would you put oh my lord um, probably the original Legend of Zelda mm-hmm. and, and Link's Awakening okay I could All have right. predicted that how, how about, about you, you? <sighs> Twilight it's Princess you, mo- you played that pretty recently right no I, would, I wouldn't put it on that list as, Skyward as Sword? an essential must play I feel like people should play that game, and Skyward I know Sword? it gets a I know it gets a bad rap. I know folks, it's another motion control debate. You made this around a, a, this controller X Y situation, um, but I feel like that game has really interesting highs when it works. It's just file talking to death. No, I, I think you've it named. It may them also all. be one of the last times that you can play it without digging out old hardware. Yeah, if motion control gaming right. is going away. Um, right. Yeah, and I and I really admire that game's story. Um, not to just to end there, but I don't think it makes that list. Like I think you guys have kind of got it covered. I would Good. put majority mask on that list only I because that one, I, and I love Link Between Worlds it's, it's so different than uh, Ocarina of Time and I've said on this show before the thing I admire most about it is that it starts out making you think it's that sequel because you're Link for all of two minutes and then it just pulls the rug out from under you you're a Deku scrub this creepy man that looks like Pear keeps changing his emotions and expressions yeah, as he talks look to like you me. Um, <laughs> yeah um, and so uh, all of that coalesces into this amazing experience uh, that has great dungeons, even if there aren't a ton of them, and a lot of mass and side quests to find and villagers to get to know. So I would put that on the list. 3DS remake, though, because the original does not run that well. Uh, same thing with Ocarina. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. original, like that thing also has, ha- does not run that well today. Great. All right. Well, there we have our show. We did it. It's in the books. Thank you for listening to Nintendo Voice Share. We are a weekly show on IGN. You can leave us feedback by heading on over to iTunes or Google Play. We're now available in that section, so we can use your reviews and your help. And send feedback in general or even email us at mvc at IGN.com. Lastly, you can find us on the Twitter. At Pair IGN. At Pair IGN. Agent Bizzle? At Agent Bizzle. What the heck is <laughs> What's going on now? Myself, Jose underscore Otero. Jose underscore Otero. We broke <laughs> I think we, we broke, broke him. No, we got places Sorry, to be. Uh, thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week with more Nintendo Voice Chat.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.